Well, as Chris said, yesterday was a beautiful day. I think we had great speakers. Uh, it's always interesting to listen to uh, speakers uh, take a subject and, and, and present a lesson on it because many times you may have something in your own mind which you think they're going to say and then they uh, make the point uh, that I hopefully opens our eyes and our hearts to God's Word and His message to us. As for that uh, dad joke, I, I take offense to what Chris said. A good dad joke, if you know, it takes you a few minutes or seconds to get it. And that was the whole purpose there. So if you want to know what it is, you can listen to them online. Many years ago, uh, Milton Berle, I'm sure there's some here that don't even know who that individual is, but he was a comedian. And he wrote this poem. It said, I'd rather be a could-be if I could not be an R. Because I could-be is a maybe who is reaching for a star. I'd rather be a has-been than a might-have-been by far. For a might-have-been has never been, but a has-been was once an R. Now that's a, there's a lot of uh, power in that uh, poem. Because I, we're going to talk about someone who was a has-been, you might say. Because you can look at Moses, and he was in a situation when God called him out of that burning bush where he was a has-been. He had been adopted. He was adopted grandson of the Pharaoh at that time. And we can look at him and we can see that he was raised in Pharaoh's house. But there came a time in his life where he saw that a Hebrew slave was being beaten by a, an Egyptian. And he ended up killing that Egyptian that was beating that Hebrew slave. And then there was a dispute between two other Hebrew slaves and Moses intervened and they asked Moses, are you going to kill us also? And Moses realized that other people had seen what had happened. And word got back to Pharaoh, and Pharaoh wanted Moses put to death. He wanted him killed. And so Moses ran for his life. And we see him in this passage of Scripture that he ends up in this place out in the wilderness where he is watching the sheep. And he looks over and he sees this burning bush. He is now 80 years old. He spent all this time out in the wilderness here taking care of sheep. And so he lives in a tent in the middle of nowhere. And he has no, as far as we know, hopes or prospects or future. And that describes a lot of us. That describes a lot of people. Because we can look out there in the world and we can see people that at one point may have had something, may have had a future, may have had great plans, but they were now they look at themselves as has-beens. And maybe that's the way we look at ourselves today. That we obeyed the Gospel at one point, and we were all excited, and then all of a sudden somebody did something or said something or something happened, and we're not as on fire as we used to be. But then Moses met God. And God tells Moses, I want you to do something for me. I'm going to send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Wow, now that's really a, a task, isn't it? And Moses responds to God with these words. 
who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? Pharaoh or Moses was looking at his life and probably was thinking at that time, I'm just a has been. Who am I to go to Mo or to go to Pharaoh? And demand that your people be let go, God's people be let go. But God looked at Moses and he saw something that maybe Moses didn't see in himself. And so that's what I want us to look at this morning. Who am I? I'm just a nobody, a has-been, a failure. And Moses says, you want me to do what? I'm not worthy of your attention. And maybe at one time he could have made a difference and maybe at one time he might have thought he could lead a battle, an army into battle. And maybe at one time he thought that he could do a lot of great things while he was in Egypt. In fact, we see that he was defending God's people when he, they were being beating, beaten. But now, he's 80 years old. And he's basically telling God, you might want to find somebody else. And for the next few verses, Moses makes all kinds of excuses about why he can't do what God wants him to do. The people won't believe me. They won't believe that I've talked to you. I've got some kind of speech impediment. I'm slow of tongue, slow to, slow to speak. The things that Moses saw, or the things about Moses was he was right, but he was also wrong. You see, he was an old man, and he had failed. He's out there in the wilderness just watching sheep. And apparently he did have some kind of speech problem because the Bible, he says there in the Scripture that he was slow of speech and slow of tongue. But guess what? God wanted him anyways. And so when we look at ourselves, sometimes we look at ourselves and we say, we're unworthy, we're nobody, I'm not worth anything. Well, who am I to go and do what you want me to do, Lord? And I want us to think about that because the Lord says, go into all the world. And that mission is for us. That's for you and it's for me. And we need to take that message that Jesus died for our sins, that He was buried, and that He rose victorious over the grave. And guess what? We're all worthy to take that message out into the world. God wanted Him anyways. And that's what we need to understand, that God wanted Him to do His work. And so when we look at Moses, we can see ourselves. And I think that we can ask ourselves, who am I? And the Bible plainly tells us that we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. So there is no one here in this room that has reached an age where they know right from wrong who has not sinned. There may be some that think that they're perfect. There is no one that's perfect. None of us. And as I say, there's all the gazillion people that have lived on the face of this earth. There's only been one. One that's been perfect. All the rest of us 
have been flawed. There's a problem. And that problem is sin. That sin has separated us from God. And we fail sometimes miserably. And at times in our lives, it's dark and disappointing. And we're not happy with ourselves. And so in Romans or Psalms chapter 8 and verse 4, there's a question asked by the psalmist, What is man that thou art mindful of? In yesterday's lesson, that's kind of the thought that I had while Bruce was talking about the vastness of the universe that God created. And he talked about the stars and how far they are and how many there are and how long it would take to get to some of them. And all of those things, I'm sitting there thinking, and God is mindful of me. Me. Of all of the things that God has to keep track of, He knows your name. He knows how many hairs are on your head because He loves you. You see, God's in the business of fixing people's lives. Lives that we mess up. Lives that get destroyed by sin. God can repair. He's in the business of cleaning up those messes in our lives. and He's in the business of taking that which was old and useless and changing it into something that's new and alive. Because you see, the Bible, when it talks about us being in sin, it talks about us being dead. But when we come out of that situation, we're alive. God is good. He can take care of us. In fact, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17, he says, "Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature; old things are passed away; behold, all things are become new." And so when we go down in that watery grave of baptism, as it tells us in Romans chapter 6, we go down that old man of sin is crucified and we come up out of that water a new creature, a new person. That sin's been washed away by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And we come up out of that water to walk in newness of life. That's what the Bible teaches us. And then we see in Romans chapter 8 and verse 1, there is therefore no con- now no condemnation in them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Brethren, when we're striving to do the best that we can, when we're living as God wants us to live, when we're walking in that light, there's no condemnation. And we know that the Bible tells us that He that blood continually cleanses us. Now notice it says when we're walking in the, in the Spirit, not according to the flesh. When, if we're a Christian and we start going after the flesh, doing those sinful things again, guess what? We're in trouble. And so we want to walk in the light as He is in the light. And that's who we are as Christians. So here we have God choosing Moses to do something great. And Moses nearly turns God down because Moses doesn't think that he's capable. Occasionally on the internet, you'll see a list of actors who regret that they didn't take some major part in a movie, and that movie turns out to be a success. 
And they talk about how they wish that they had realized that it was a good movie, but when they read it, they thought it was nothing. And sometimes that's what we look at in our own lives when God has given us a plan of what we need to do and how we need to live our lives. We look at it and we say, well, we can't do it. We're not worthy. And when He's given us a mission like go into all the world, He's saying that we are worthy because guess what? If we close this book, we sit it on the shelf, the truth is right there. But how does it get out there? How does it get out there? How does it get out into the world? No one has an answer, huh? It doesn't get out there unless we take it out there. You and I have to take this message out into the world. And that's what Jesus is saying there in the Great Commission when He says, go into all the world and preach the Gospel. That's a responsibility that you and I have. But guess what? Sometimes we say, oh, I'm not worthy. That's not for me. Let somebody else do it. I can't talk very good. I can't think very good. I can't do this. I can't do that very good. And we sound like Moses, don't we? Could you imagine what Moses would have missed out on if he would have said, no, I'm not going to do it. Do you know what we're going to miss out on when we say no to God? We're going to miss out on heaven. Back in... 1959, you should know that if I'm going to talk about Moses, I have to talk about Charleston Heston. But in 1959, Charleston Heston starred in a, a movie classic, Ben-Hur. And maybe you've seen that movie, but from what I've read, he, it took five weeks to film that part of the movie, of the chariot race. It took 15,000 extras and 18 chariots to do that portion of the movie. And Charleston Heston was committed and, and he practiced uh, for weeks learning how to drive those chariots. But after weeks of practice, he pulled his stunt coordinator to the side and he said, I can drive the chariot, but I can't win that race. And the stunt coordinator smiled at him and said, Chuck, you just make sure you stay in the chariot and I'll make sure you win the race. Charlton Heston didn't think that he was capable of winning. But that's a movie. And of course, he's going to win because it's in the script. All he had to do was not fall out of the chariot during the filming and overcome and his overcoming in that race was assured. And that's pretty much what God is saying to Moses. You just do what I tell you to do and I'll do the rest. It's in the script. 
You see, God said, and I am sure that the king of Egypt will not let you go. No, not by a mighty hand. And I will stretch out my hand and smite Egypt with all my wonders which I will do in the midst thereof. And after that, He will let you go. Exodus chapter 3, verses 19 and 20. It was in the Script, you might say. And guess what? If you've read the book of Revelation, you know what's in the Script. We know what's going to happen in the end. That if we remain faithful, if we do what God tells us to do, then guess what? We'll be victorious in the end. And so when He says go, He doesn't say go and convert. He says go and teach. And our responsibility is to take the Gospel to those that are lost. And we plant the seeds. And someone else may come along and water. But guess what? It's God that gives the increase. It's still that seed, the Word of God, that we plant. And it's that Word of God that changes people's lives. In Romans chapter 1, and verse 16, Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the Gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. What is the power of God unto salvation? The Gospel of Jesus Christ. What are we to do? Take it to the world. The people, are we going to change people? No, we present the Gospel, and it's up to them to change themselves. We plant, we water, but it's God that gives the increase. Now that's what we need to understand. You see, the first thing we need to learn is that God has a plan for our lives. And in Romans or in the Old Testament, the Bible tells us God told Israel in Jeremiah chapter 29 and verse 11, "For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end." Now, does that mean that when we come out of the womb, God has it all planned out that this is what you're going to do and this is how you're going to live and you're going to be saved? Well, guess what? You're going to live this way and you're going to live this way and you're going to be lost. No. That's not what that means. What that means is that God has a plan. And if you follow His plan, then you're going to be saved. That's, in, that's the end. That's the script. That if you obey the Gospel, you live a faithful life, you overcome the, the, the temptations and all the things in this life, guess what? you got a home in heaven. But do we believe it? Do we trust it? In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, "...for we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them." So what is that telling us? That as a Christian, if you read the two verses before that, you see that we're saved by grace through faith, not of works lest any man should boast. But then it says we're created for works. And what does it say in that verse? For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. If you listen to me, this is God saying, if you listen to me, and you follow my path, where's it going to end up? In heaven. Who am I? We look at our own lives and we say, who am I? Before you became a Christian, God said, if this person ever decides that they want to belong to Me, I've got something special in mind for them to do. 
You see, God has something for you, just like He has something for me. And as we mentioned this morning in Bible class, it's amazing sometimes how things come up in Bible class that end up being in the sermon. But we talked about that in Bible class this morning. That God gives us talents, and sometimes when we step out and start to use those talents, we are uncomfortable. I remember the first time I served on a Lord's Supper on a, served the Lord's Supper on a Sunday night. My voice was shaking. My knees were rattling. I was as nervous as could be. But as you grow, guess what? Now I don't know when to shut up. Sometimes when you knock on people's door, you don't know what to say. Sometimes they give you an opportunity by what they said to respond. Sometimes when you go visit someone that's sick, you don't know what to say because you're uncomfortable. You haven't been doing it. But when you get there, guess what? You may feel uncomfortable, but the next time you may feel better. And then the next time, better. And then the next time it's easier and easier and easier. It's part of growing. And I could go on and on and on about opportunities that you and I may have that we may be uncomfortable with, but as we experience those things and practice and do those things, guess what? It gets easier. And then we find out we can do things that we never thought we could do. Because when my knees were knocking serving at the Lord's table that first time, I never thought I'd be here doing this. So think about what you can do. I don't say this to boast on myself. Because sometimes I look at this and I say, who am I? But that's the attitude that we sometimes come up with that defeats us. You know, a couple of weeks ago, Elizabeth, hope she don't mind me talking about her, but gave birth to a, a, a baby boy. And before he came into this world, she had plans for that baby. Those plans started out before that baby was even born. She had several things for that child. She had a swing and a bed. She had clothes. She had toys. She had all these things already prepared. And she intended to shower those things on that child and extend her attention to him because she loved him. But right now, if you look at that baby and a few others that we have here, which by the way is always good to hear, But right now, if you look at that baby, that baby is helpless. It can't sing. It can't talk. It can't, you really can't even play with it. You just hold it. So far, the only thing that I know that it can do is eat, sleep, and poop. 
But that's not what Elizabeth sees. She sees a little boy that's filled with potential. And she has dreams and plans for what that child will be like when he grows up. And I believe that that's how God looks at you and me. That He sees our potential. He sees what we can be. He sees what we can do. He sees how we can be a light. And that's what He wants us to be. In Romans chapter 5 and verse 8, But God commended His love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Before we were even in this world, Jesus died for us. And God saw that you and I were filled with potential, and He has dreams and plans for you and me. He loves us. In fact, God has something just for you. There may be somebody out there that you know that no one else knows that you can talk to, that you can help, that you can be an example to, that you can be an encouragement to. Something that you can do that no one else in this room would be able to do. And I don't know what it is, but I think the closer we get to God, just like Moses getting closer to that burning bush, the closer we get to God, the better chance we have of learning just what it is that He wants us to do. And the closer that you walk with God, the more He'll direct your steps. And that's why it's important that we study His Word and we pray and we, and we come together as saints to worship God. But first of all, we need to realize that God has a plan for our lives. The second point, neither you or I are worthy to do what He has planned for us. We've all sinned and we've all messed up and there are times that we look in the mirror and we don't like what we see very much. But God wanted you anyways. fact is, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 tells us, For by the grace, for by grace you are saved through faith, and not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. We talked about grace in our Bible class, and we need to understand that God extends that to everyone. And so that grace that is extended to everyone is only accepted by those who have faith in that grace that He's extended. And it's important that we understand what that grace is, unmerited favor, and that we understand what faith is and where faith comes from. Faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Where does our faith come from? Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. It's not just, I do what I want to do and oh, my faith, I think God's going to accept it. No, our faith is based upon God's Word. And so is that plan, that grace that God has extended to us. And so we have sinned and we've messed up. And by His grace we are saved. And in Titus chapter 2 and verse 11 it says, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. And there are some wicked, evil people that are out there in this world that have done some awful things. But God can still clean up their lives. And one individual that comes to mind wrote a song that's in our songbook and it's called Amazing Grace. And I didn't ask Ben to sing that this morning. 
But it's kind of odd that he did. Because it was written by a man named John Newton, who was a very evil man. And he was a sailor who I'm sure was guilty of cursing and drinking and going places that he shouldn't have gone. And he bought and he sold slaves. And he cared very little for their lives. But then God got a hold of him somehow. And he became a preacher. And he fought successfully to outlaw slavery in Great Britain. And I've read where John Newton wrote these words, I am not what I ought to be. I am not what I want to be. I am not what I hope to be in another world. But still I am what I once... I'm not what I used to be. And by the grace of God, I am what I am. It didn't matter what he had done. What mattered is what he became. And that's really what matters in our life. We draw a line when we are baptized into Christ and we can forget what we've done in the past. And we can move forward. Living up to the potential that God has that He sees in us doing what He wants us to do. You see, God frees us from sin and it's the blood of His Son that washes away our sin. In John chapter 8, and verse 36, If God therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. What a blessing that is to know. And that leads me to the third and final point. We find in Exodus chapter 3, Verses 2 and 3, it says, And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him, that's Moses that he's talking about, in a flame of fire out of the midst of the bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. You see, that bush was different. That was just an ordinary bush. A bush that Moses probably had walked by many times. He'd seen that bush, but just didn't notice it. But it wasn't the same bush. And it wasn't even that bush that got Moses' attention. It was the fire that was on that bush that did not consume that bush. And it was the fact that that fire was on that bush and it was not burning that attracted his attention. And so, that's what we need to understand. Without God's fire in us, we're just an ordinary bush. We're just an ordinary person. Because this is how that applies to us. You see, on the outside, we appear just like everybody else. We're like normal, everyday people that you run into on the street. But on the inside... There's a fire that makes us different. And that fire is God's Spirit. And without that Spirit inside of us, we're just like that bush. And we're just like anyone else. What is it that gets us motivated? What is it that gets us moving? 
You see, Paul addressed those in Romans chapter 10 and verse 2 when he says, For I bear them record that they, are, they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. God's Word has to be in our heart. The Holy Spirit wrote or gave us the Word of God, and that Spirit is in us when we put God's Word in our heart and in our lives. And that's what makes the difference in our lives. That's what put fire in our bones, I hope. You see, the fire of God literally burns inside of us, or it should. Because Jeremiah said in Jeremiah chapter 20 and verse 9, Then I said, I will not make mention of him nor speak any more in his name. But his word was in my heart as a burning fire shut up in my bones, and I was weary with forbearing, and I could not stay. Jeremiah said, I'm not going to say anything else about him. I'm going to keep quiet. But he couldn't because there was fire in his bones. I ask you, do you have that fire? If you were called before the, before the government and they said, don't speak the Word of Christ anymore, would you be able to keep quiet? Could you keep silent? Jeremiah said, I can't. I tried, but I can't. How many of us have that attitude? In Romans or Acts chapter four, verses twenty or nineteen and twenty, Peter and John answered and said unto them, Whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, judge ye, but we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. You see, we talk about the grace of God and we talk about what He's done for us. Is that alive in you? Is it so, so, uh, does it have a hold of you so much that you can't keep quiet about it? You want to tell someone else about it? Or is it something that we can sit back and say nothing about and be content? As it says there in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 19, quench not the Spirit. Don't put, let that Spirit die. But as Paul said, have that zeal, but make that zeal according to knowledge. You see, there's a lot of people that in the religious world that are zealous, but they don't have the correct knowledge of God's Word. And there's some in the Lord's church that have the knowledge of God's Word, but they have no zeal. They have no fire in their bones. You see, the Bible teaches us that the Spirit intercedes for us, that it helps us when we pray, that it helps us transform, it helps transform us into the image of God when we apply it in our lives. As it says in First Corinthians chapter two and verse ten, but God hath revealed them unto us by His Spirit, for the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. Essentially, the Spirit of God is living in us when we allow God's Word to come into our heart and we walk according to His will. God helps us every day. and He can change our lives to be more what He wants us to be because of His love for us. I ask you, are you like Moses was there in the beginning? Who am I? Who am I? to take this glorious message out into the world? Who am I to talk to someone about Jesus Christ? You know, there may be times that we look at our lives and say, hey, yeah, 
I can't talk to somebody because my life's so messed up with sin that I feel so unworthy. Straighten that out. Get rid of that sin. Obey the Gospel. If you're not a Christian, obey the Gospel. Be buried with our Lord in baptism to have your sins washed away by that precious blood of Jesus Christ. Don't just be an ordinary bush. Be a bush that's on fire for the Lord. Trust Him. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 38, those same individuals that said, we can't but help but speak what the Lord wants us to do. We can't keep quiet about it. They stood up and they preached the Gospel of Jesus Christ. And that message, notice it was the Spirit that convicted those individuals. It was their words. And when they cried out, men and brethren, what shall we do? Peter said, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sin, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. The gift of salvation can bring joy to our heart as we see with the Ethiopian or the, yeah, the Ethiopian eunuch. When he came up out of the water, he went on his way rejoicing. You can leave today rejoicing. If you're not a Christian, you can be buried with our Lord in baptism today. And maybe you haven't lived like you should. Maybe you're not accepting the responsibilities that God has given to you. You can make changes in your life. And if it's between you and God, you can take care of it that way. But if you need our prayers, we're here to help you any way we can. Because God says you are somebody and He has a plan for you. So this morning, if you need to respond to the invitation, you can do so. You have that opportunity while we stand and sing.